G'day everyone, and for those who came in late, despite the unusual introduction music, you are listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 108, uh, the second and probably last in our summer series of podcasts while we take a brief hiatus, and the choice of titled music is to suit our guest in this episode perhaps a little better than our traditional music does. I'm Dan Fraser and uh, I'm really pleased to be able to bring this particular interview to you. Uh, We've had this in the can for a long, long time, nearly seven months actually, and uh, I'm I'm almost uh, a little embarrassed that we we haven't had this up earlier, but it's actually timed out really well to be able to bring this to you in in a bit of a gap of our scheduling. Uh, this is actually an interview that I was really lucky enough to be able to conduct in person uh, when I was uh, fortunate enough again to travel across to France earlier this year in in about June, early July. Actually, it was July. People who are, um, I guess, regulars in any of the Facebook groups uh, to do with the Phantom would probably be familiar with Om Roy, who. Um, He's a man of mystery, it's fair to say. He's a very humble man, very gracious man, and uh, I was just so pleased to be able to speak with him in person and meet with him. Um, he and his partner were just so lovely in the way that they welcomed me into their home and uh, and just and shared some of their, their space and their time with me. I, I really was blessed to be able to see some of Ohm's collection. Um, again, those who are familiar with the, the conversations that get around on social media would know that Ohm is very, very knowledgeable about all things Phantom. His art collection is amazing. It, it really is, as I say, a, a humble and a private man, and we're very lucky to have this conversation with him. And so... Suffice to say that he does have a range of original artwork from all eras of uh, of the Phantom newspaper strip history, um, as well as a particular focus on some areas of interest, which we go into during the conversation. I really hope you you enjoy this. This is uh, listening back on it to edit this has been a really uh, fascinating and and um, I've really enjoyed going back and, and re-listening to this. Uh, but fair to say, the 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 visit with Ohm was right at the end of my period overseas, and so I was a bit tired. And uh, I hope I am able to bring the appreciation of of what I was seeing and uh, the conversation I was having to you. Again, uh, sorry it's taken so long, and, and Ohm, if, when, I know you will be listening to this uh, personally, thank you, a huge thank you uh, for the time that I, that I spent with you and for your graciousness in, uh, in sharing your story with us and uh, your history. And I think what I found more than anything is that it's just remarkable how the Phantom is an international language and we collect what we can, where we can, with whatever means we have but at the end of the day the phantom this creation by lee fork 83 something years ago uh, can bring us all together internationally and uh, if you're a phantom fan you are a phantom friend and i probably have rarely felt that more than the time i spent with them 
in Paris. So thank you very much, Om. Um, again, sharing your story with all of us, and I appreciate you know the the interview that you, we are about to listen to, and I, I hope that everyone who's listening to this really enjoys and appreciates it too. I reckon I'll probably put an introduction on this later or whatever, and right. we might as well just start talking. So, okay. so uh, we can have we could have a, a two way exchange kind of thing. You know, I could ask a few few questions. I mean, it's, oh, of course. Unless uh, you know, otherwise I, I'd probably feel like a star. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, the the right, whole okay. the beauty of the podcast, I think, is that they are just a, a conversation, um, a two way conversation. Absolutely, so, yeah. And especially, I think, because um, is it recording? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry, we are. Yeah. That's wrong. Um, the the fact that now we've got you know an Australian fan and an international fan, and we've both got different focuses in our collecting and and uh, what we do. Um, it's interesting to you know pick each other's minds and, and find out a little bit and, and hopefully that way people who are listening find out learn a bit too so well yeah sure it's it's a, it's a great experience to talk about the phantom uh in paris here in, in fact and and uh, uh well it's another context of yeah. of, uh, of talking about uh international character which mm. is uh, who's more popular in australia i guess mm. so um, for the purpose of the conversation, are you happy? Are you home? Do we call you home? Are you, or? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise, people wouldn't know who I am. That's so. exactly right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, to put it all in context, then I'm sitting here in Paris uh, on Bastille Day of all days, and uh, to uh, with Ohm Roy, um, France's leading phantom collector, possibly only. <laughs> Um, many of you would know him uh, from interactions we've, we've had on Facebook where he's a, a delight to talk to and uh, very knowledgeable about all things Phantom, particularly pre-Cybari, I suppose is fair to say. Uh, yeah, Cybari, but I have been following the, the new artists as well. So, But I'd say uh, I'm more of, 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 of a fan who likes comics published before... Um, uh, let's say before the seventies, right? So, um, and of course, there are one-off uh, pieces and and stories um, now and then which I come across which I really like as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. But the bulk of my my uh, collection is from uh, uh, the stories from from the sixties, fifties, and. Um, yeah, 60s, 50s, 40s, I guess. Yeah, very good. And uh, we'll, we'll talk through it, but I've been very fortunate to have a look through um, big parts of your collection today and, and very grateful to have done that. Uh, but before we, before we get to that, we, we always like to start talking with any Phantom fans about how they came in contact with, with the character in the first place and, and how they became a fan. So can you tell us a little bit about your personal history and uh, particularly to do with the Phantom? Sure, yeah. So... You know, I, I was born in India, and more specifically in, in Bengala. Good. <laughs> uh, phantom land, of course. Yeah. And uh, so, I remember the first uh, story that I, uh, that I read was a, a uh, comic newspaper uh, strip collection from my uncle, in fact. And that was the story called uh, The Web of Spidera. Oh, yes. Right. And uh, so I was fascinated, and and so it was my uncle in, fact, in in India who introduced me to the Phantom. And you said a, a collection. So had he cut out the strips? Absolutely, he had cut out the the strips from the newspapers, and uh, uh, so it was his personal comic book, like a flip book. Yeah, right. You see, 
So, and my mother, he, she also had the same kind of flip book, but she was more into Rip Kirby. Oh, okay. At the time. Yeah. And Mandrake. And uh, so I had a talk with my mother a few months ago, and she says, well, when is Mandrake finally going to get married? <laughs> you know, so. yeah, right. But anyway, so... Uh, um, so it was basically it was my uncle who spoke to me about the the, the phantom and introduced me to the character uh, in India, and um, so the first story being being the web of Spidera. Uh, f- I think the first comic book, which was an Indrajal, which is an Indian publication which I bought in India in the 1980s, was uh, Slave Market Mukar. Ah. And that was in Bengali language, of course, yes. because uh, that's the language over there. That's my my native language, and um, so I think uh, it was the best story by Sai Barry. Mm. His first one, of course. Of course, yeah, it's his first one, which I didn't know at that time because no. it, it all came out. It was the comic books didn't really come out in 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 order. No, so uh, so we we had Sai Barry's and suddenly had a, a McCoy story. And uh, so, um, so yeah, so Slave Market Mukar and the, the Web of Spidera. Yeah. yeah, very good. And um, and so you brought that love of the Phantom with you when you moved to France? Yeah, correct. So um, I kind of ha- had a collection when I was very young, but then we changed houses and, and so the collection got lost. And uh, uh, when I came to France, I kind of met people here who were passionate by the old vintage characters of of uh, King Features and then I went explored internet I, and I kind of came across the Phantom and I remembered my old collection and I, I, I really missed those and I wanted to rebuild uh, a Phantom set if I could but it was not an easy task because I, I was living in France and uh, had no access to, to anything Phantom at that time um, it, it is very uh, hard to find Phantom comics here. I've asked a few comic book vendors and uh, looking for El Phantom and uh, blank stares mostly. Mm. I'm sure you know that you know for for Phantom collectors and and Phantom fans. I think it's the the particular uh, book that you read when you were young. The, the that publication is the one that you look for. Yeah. So. Uh, I was looking for the Indrajal first publications, which I had when I was young, and I want to rebuild my old collection. So, um, I, in my subsequent trips back to India, then I went and, and started hunting them down in the markets, and, and I got in touch with the other collectors locally, and I kind of set out to build my Indian Phantom collection again. Yeah. And so... And then in the meanwhile, I got exposed to all a whole lot of international releases, uh, through eBay and internet and and so on, so yeah. auctions, and then so so that was your focus for a long time, just rebuilding your Indrajal. Absolutely, the, yeah. the the comics I had lost when I when, yeah. I, when I was a kid, yes. and uh, and I was really happy to have them back. So those particular issues really hold a, a special place in my my, my mm. heart. I think. Of course, because those are the ones which I had read when, mm. I, when I was young. Yeah, yeah. And um, and but then you moved on to did did were you tempted by, you know, the fruits of eBay and uh, and and getting all of these other international publications? Yeah. So then I I realized because for me the first Phantom was was the one one I read when I was young. So yeah. Uh, 
and then I realized that there was much more to it than than the ones I I had collected in India. So I kind of looked up on on different websites um, and found out the 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 initial and the rare publications from the United States, uh, like Ace Comics and and the feature books. So which I finally got around to to collect. And, right. Uh, so I was very happy to to constitute a collection which was like. Uh, which came from the 1930s. Mm. So, um, I guess, yeah. So, uh, so uh, having having you know been lucky enough to have a look at a few of your your comic books today, you do seem to have a focus on the those earliest stuff, the uh, the, the feature books you just said, and the Ace comic books from the 1930s and 40s, and and other places around the world. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I guess for a few years now, we we see that the tablet and and the new technology kind of is replacing is slowly replacing the the, the paper books mm. and so i kind of feel that it's like it's like uh, like preserving historical documents yeah and so it's another it's not for it's not actually for reading them but it's more for preservation and it's like a museum piece for me yeah. because i guess in the future books would probably be uh, you know, we won't have as many books as the, we used to have before. So, um, yeah. um, so I really wanted to hunt the, hunt them down in good condition, if possible, and and preserve those books and, and which were the initial publications, which mm. would become museum pieces. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think I, you know, you said to me before about um, my my I guess reason why I haven't gone for international publications is because I can't read them but to you the the reading of them is not not super important it is about that preservation well I have read them in in Bengali language in fact the language of the phantom so the stories yeah yeah okay. <laughs> so I have read them in Bengali of course <laughs> well you know and, that uh... Tony DePaul now has in the Bengali tongue all the time uh, or in the Banda tongue um, yeah. through did the, you know that Banda the word comes from Indian language called from from uh, Kipling's book, uh, what was the book? Jungle Book. Yeah, really. Yeah, Bandra. It means monkey. In, 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 yeah. in the, it's an Indian word. Okay. So. Huh. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so uh, so the Phantom speaks, speaks Bengali, yeah? and uh, so I, I have read them in Bengali, of yes. course, and I have read in French. However, um, in English, we have this this uh, sense of humor and the dry wit. And uh, how I mean how uh, I think one of the the podcasts put it in fact the deadpan humor of McCoy and yes. Ray Moore yes. from that that time is something which is which can't be imitated in other languages. Oh really? So that doesn't translate well? Absolutely not. Oh. In fact, so uh, you know when you have that straight face look and Phantom cracks a joke at some 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 villain, I think that is something which would probably won't sound right in the French ah, language or ah. neither in the Bengali language. So right. Uh, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But certainly the uh, the covers of the uh, the early Italians and French and uh, were they Croatian? Croatians, yeah. That, yeah. That, those, those ones. Like They're that. fascinating covers. Absolutely. Yeah. So they had they they were like uh, paintings from by by local artists who uh, had the responsibility of of. Of making covers because they they were collected comics I mean newspaper strips yeah they needed a, a cover and so we had 
talented artists from different parts of the world who kind of contributed to to the publication of of the books. Yep. And they were really handmade, painted covers, and uh, so you know comp- computer graphics no. because I I put well it's my my view, but I think sometimes computer graphics could be a bit um, how do you say mechanical. Right. Yep. Digital. Yep. So uh, <coughs> they're a bit too clean and tidy. Absolutely. And uh, sometimes you see the shading behind. Uh, you know that it's a Photoshop tool mm. of of uh, creating colors and so mm. on. So uh, sometimes, well, you know, I still prefer the handmade uh, paintings. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that um, is that part of why you started to get into collecting original artwork. Then um, that preference for. Uh, that original handmade made stuff. When how, how long ago did you make the shift from collecting predominantly comic books and into uh, uh, artwork instead, or or as well? Well, I, I in Paris, in fact, here we have uh, a a scene of of uh, of comic art collection and of collectors who are deep into into collecting art and so it, it's it's it was already a big scene here in fact so and we have art galleries selling specialized in comic art and so, so on. you so mean all comic art not all, necessarily all, phantom absolutely yeah, all yeah. all comic art and uh uh franco-belge and tintins and so on so i see keep i kept seeing those and then i thought that if i had the opportunity which character would i collect mm. and I was lucky enough that when I was thinking about, you know, starting a collection, that the Phantom artwork started coming out in the market. Right. So um, then I, I kind of, you know, collecting is something which is you. I, I think you really have to love the pieces that you buy. So I just wait until I find the right piece that really strikes a chord, and then I, I go for it. Mm. Yeah, and you, you've said to me earlier today that about um, not buying a piece of art for the name of the artist, but you need to love it yourself as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is because you know, if price tag or artists and and which are which are connected to to the to the artwork that you buy, you know, it sometimes it could be a motivation for the collector. However, I mean, there's no guarantee that you know you get the price back. Mm. When you resell the piece of art, or, or um, yeah, or that the name of the artist is going to going to be something which is instrumental in you know in in the valuation of of your artwork. So I I really think that you you really need to love the art that you buy, and uh, that uh, so the price and and the name of the artist and so on should not be a matter at all mm. so, so in art collections. Mm. So you, you mentioned resale and that sort of thing. It, are you buying Phantom strips as an investment uh, per se, or? Um, well, well, not really, because you know I, I kind of disconnect the, the the money aspect and the love of the character and the art. So sometimes I have paid ridiculous high prices for a piece which I knew that wasn't really worth that that mm. much, and so on. So I personally I don't really look at it as an investment. But however, if I have to sell them one day, I probably not want to lose any money. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so okay, so just that um, so that people understand what we're talking about, and, and 
I've seen much of this, you know, laid out on the floor in front of us uh, this afternoon. But so people have some idea of the of what we're talking about. How would you describe um, the extent of your collection and the type of things that you like to collect? Well, so uh, I guess I, I. Well, the thing is that I really have to first like the the artwork. So um, and uh, and then I I decide if it's the the. Um, if it's the it's the sequence of the story that I'd like to collect, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so that is important. And uh, uh, so I, the the McCoys that you've seen is probably are, are the, the pieces that I really love. And um, so these are not strips where strips where you have uh, where you have. Um, um, Phantoms everywhere fighting evil and so on, but it's it's uh, sometimes they are like panels without the ghost and they just um, standalone panels where you mm. can really really love the 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 artwork in itself. So mm. and so I always when I buy I I think I kind of disconnect the the uh, strip from the story sometimes. Mm. So sometimes it really needs to be a standalone piece. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I'm not going to get the full story anyway. So uh. right, no, and and I think that was evident, you know, in so many of the pieces. If if that one was framed and up on a wall, you could look at it and it tells you a whole story of itself. It doesn't need the the strip before or after it to yeah, to it, communicate what's going on. Sure, and if I can add uh, to what I was saying, so when you think of pop art, you have well, there are artists like Liechtenstein or or the artists from contemporary artists from phantom artists from New Australia New Zealand who have probably selected panels from the stories and have like Dick Frizzell Dick Frizzell and yeah. Peter Kingston and, and so they have made a whole artworks and paintings out of one panel yeah and sometimes those panels don't have any phantoms in them yeah so, um, no and so it's the mood of the 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 uh, the setting and, and the story and, and the characters and how they feel which are amplified through the uh, their paintings, yeah. and which is the basic principle of pop art. If you think about uh, art by, by especially by Liechtenstein, so, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, those are the the aspects I consider when I when I um, buy a, a piece yeah. and I collect a piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely, I'm not you know. I don't intend to part with my pieces. No, no, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) And spoken like every Phantom collector that I know. (laughs) We all love our collection and the story behind each each piece that we've we've purchased. Yeah, sure. So, um, which is the reason why, you know, the the matter, I mean, the, the, uh, the questions of price and so on should not be... Of the central driving interest for, for mm. buying up artwork. Mm. Mm. Very good. Now I can't help but notice as I look around, you do you, you do have a couple of fine uh, phantom artworks on the wall. Um, one from a French uh, cover, mm-hmm. um, and another a Bill Legant um, page. Um, but none of the McCoys are, are up. Um, can I ask why? Um. Well, yeah, that's that's a good question, which which is because I never know which one to put up. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> First of all, that's the the, the answer I would give. If I, and uh, secondly, you know, um, sometimes I I want them to to be in sequence, 
Mm-hmm. So meaning that you have to put up quite a few of those to to you know, to have a because you do have some uh, days in a row where you've got the, sure. the two or three days. Yeah. So um, and then you know I always want to change the the, the, the art on my wall. So yeah. Very often and it's it's uh, time consuming. So <laughs> yeah. But also, it's because um, I try to keep uh, artwork uh, out of direct light as well. Okay. So um, keep them in dark place and for conservation. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I guess that raises the question about storage. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've we've had podcasts in the past and lots of chats uh, through Chronicle Chamber about storing artwork and looking after it and preserving it, which you've, you've talked about. What's your mm. What's your process? Well, yeah. So. Uh, uh, humidity. So I have the rel- relative humidity has to be between thirty to fifty-five R mm-hmm. H. So which I try to maintain. Then I have I try to keep keep them out of direct light. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, an average um, heated places like uh, twenty degrees uh, centigrade. Yeah, and basic ones, and of course out out of reach of from from. Uh, Insects and children. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, which would be a problem at my place. Um, you, you have them wrapped in a special paper as well, right? Yeah. So I I kind of uh, wrap them up in in paper called crystal paper, which is which is acid free, mm-hmm. and uh, so which kind of preserves the artwork. And I have spoken with a few gallerists and who advised the same. In fact, so it yeah. was the best way. To keep uh, artwork and not wrap them up in plastic and so yeah. on. So, uh, now, I, I thought it was good that that paper was quite transparent, so um, you can you can look at your art and admire it without you know getting grubby fingerprints all over it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So and then I don't really have the the opportunity to take out my artwork and and go through them that often in fact, yeah. either. So uh, it's a rare occasion to have another fan here in our city here. So. Uh, yeah, it was quite a pleasure. No, I'm, I'm very pleased to have come, and uh, we've been phantoming all afternoon, really, um, <laughs> on and off. And meanwhile, you know, stopped having a look at some dailies and went for a walk and saw the Eiffel Tower and uh, setting up for the fireworks night and come back here and have a look at some Sundays. It's been a perfect day. Yeah. <laughs> a perfect day. That's right. Yeah. So, um, well, so uh, what, what? I mean, have you what? Uh, have you any thoughts about Phantom in France? Ah uh, well, I uh, as uh, a lot of people who who follow Chronicle Chamber on Facebook would know, I did attempt to go and see the uh, the Phantom Secret to Chamber in uh, the uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral. The uh, <laughs> I must confess, the line was too long, <laughs> and so I didn't end up going in. Um, but uh, it, it's a shame that uh, there's not more not more Phantom in France. Uh, you, you've got some you great some great artists from around here. Um, it seems odd that uh, with with all of the big name artists that come out of this this part of Europe, um, that he's not more popular. Oh yeah, sure. So we have uh, Jean-Yves Mitten, which who is a phantom artist, who lives in France and did a few stories for for I think Egmont, and uh, so he he is still around. I think uh, a lot of uh, Australian fans admire his artwork a lot and mm. has been speaking to me about uh, Jean-Yves so mm. he's one of the artists and then we have uh, another artist called Jean Frisano mm-hmm. um, who else well that's about it uh, and Lee Falk himself was well connected with France right. so he 
came here quite a few times. He was in in touch with an with a club called the Selig Club. So, uh, so it was a club association for appreciation of of uh, comic strips, and uh, so he was well connected with with uh, a film director called Alain Ronet, and uh, so he was. Uh, so yeah, he was in France quite often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. But uh, France uh, history in France was uh, the Phantom uh, was published initially and then had an initial interruption during the war. Second World War broke out, and after that, in the mid forties, I think there was cens- censorship problems, and so they had and they thought that Phantom was too violent yeah. because he carried on ground guns, and uh, so they said that this was not good for for young kids, and you have to stop publishing Phantom. So that's when it got stopped. Got blocked. It's uh, interesting, young kids who have just seen a World War Two, and as I walk <laughs> around France today, Paris today, I've seen more machine guns in, today than I have in my entire life before. So, yeah, <laughs> but you know, comics could be more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so there was only eighteen French comics published. Is that have I got that number right? Uh, no. So I think initially, pre-war, they started publishing in 1938. And so they published eight issues. And after which, there was an interruption. And 1942, I think they restarted the series and it went on to another another 12 or 15. I, th- I think you have the full story in, in Phantom Wiki. So oh, yeah, if you yeah. look it up, you yeah. probably know exactly the dates and, and the number of issues published. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it, it's interesting to um, to touch base with different parts of the world and see uh, how many comics they've produced. And, and I think we forget in Australia how lucky we've been. And we talked about you know the first Phantom comic being published in Australia in 1948. So after you know France stopped basically, um, but. Australia has not stopped since then. You know, we're up to, I don't even know off the top of my head because I've been away, but 1,820 comics or something since then. So Yeah, so I think, well, Australia has kept the phantom flame alive. Mm. Well, between us and Scandinavia, Jermaine will get quite upset sure. if I don't mention Egmont at some point. Oh, sure. What okay, a great job good. they do. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you get much of a chance to um, travel around? I mean, you know, you're not... You're not far from Scandinavia. Yeah, here. correct. Yeah, so I have, I went to Spain and I tried to look for phantoms, and uh, so I found one shop in Madrid, I think, and I and I bought a few phantoms from there. But when you go there, you don't really have a choice of, of a lot of stories, and and so you kind of grab what, whatever you find. Yeah, and especially now with internet, I think there are more international comics available on the web. Yeah, on, on internet than in real shops because yeah. these, these real you know old vintage shops are slowly disappearing yeah and uh, so i got one from spain then i was in istanbul right in turkey and i went to one of the old you know used book shop um, areas where they had a lot of uh, shops selling old books and i and i got a few few phantoms the kizil maske ah yes yep. you know that's what they say in, yep um, yep right so so that was turkey I that was a very good memory. Um, where else? Oh, Italy, of course. You know, when I was in Rome. I, I got a few from 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 Rome. Uh, Scandinavia from from Stockholm. So I got a few, and the one I liked, which was based from a story, which was set in India, called the the Kali sect. Yes. 
and uh, so which I, I picked up in Stockholm. Um, I tried tried a lot, but in the UK in London, I could not you know, find any any right. at all. Uh, New York City, yeah, uh, but they don't really have the, those many of the the old ones in real shops. So um, they have the Hermes press books, mm. of course. But I went to one of the shops called Rogers Time Machine, and I picked up uh, the the. Don Newton Charlton's. Yeah, yep. Not that I couldn't get from the from eBay, but it's always a pleasure to buy from a real shop. Right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, you you don't you're a bit of a private collector, if I may say. <clears throat> we don't see a lot of your the photos of your collection online, and uh, you know you're not one of these people who um, you know post a, a photo of the week or anything like that. Uh, can I ask about that? Mm. Um, well, I have been, you know, I've been a bit off the web for 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 a while, and uh, um, so the Phantom, I mean, my collection, I I just post, I I posted quite a lot in fact one time, but I don't anymore because I'm, I don't really really don't have the time, and I have a very old iPhone, and right? It takes miserable photos, so, right? Uh, <laughs> it, it kind of downgrades my my good collection. Not doing so, them justice. <laughs> not doing them justice at all. So I thought, well, I've got to wait until I get a new phone, of course. Yeah. And um, uh, moreover, I think I think, well, there are so many. I mean, phantom items floating all over the web. You know, wasn't it a pleasure to come to Paris and and see the collection by yourself? You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And so uh, it's a live experience. Yeah, for sure. Probably won't get from from the internet no so, uh, right so yeah, yeah. you see and uh, no, you're absolutely right and there are, it really is a pleasure to see I think I, I, I don't think many people would understand the size of the originals as they were they were printed um, I think Cy Barry when we talked to him spoke about him having to work in smaller panels the longer the strip went on and by the, the late 80s and 90s in work he's trying to draw in quite small originals whereas what we see in Wilson McCoy, especially the Sundays, um, he's got quite a lot of space to work in, and uh, the, to see the size of those was, was a great pleasure, I think, and, and gave a renewed appreciation for the clarity of the art. Well, sure, yeah. So, um, so initially, in fact, you had uh, comic books where, where where comic strips were published in full full size newspaper. Um, mm size newspapers and then it came in the the half page mm-hmm. of course and then he had the thirds and the space got more and more reduced yeah, yeah. newspapers um so i guess that might have something to do with the size of the originals as well yeah yeah and um i've heard that moore used to have very big size originals in fact when mm. he did his originals were really big size paper and um but McCoy had, I think, he probably had, um, to my knowledge, two two different sizes. So you had the initial ones, the the early fifties ones I've seen. So he had two strips, basically, with big size panels, and then the sizes of the panels were reduced, but they became three strips from the nineteen from nineteen fifty seven on. Okay. And um, so yeah, so they are like like a piece of art, like a painting size. Mm. But then I personally, I also like the dailies a lot. Mm. I think dailies are are 
more detailed sometimes. Yeah. And um, the the approach, I think, is very different because the artist, when he draws a Sunday, he knows that after, someone is going to colour. Yes, right. Right, so he he'll probably draw in a way that the colourist would be able to manage the and do yeah. justice to the artwork. Yeah. While when you do a daily, you know that this is it. Mm. Meaning that it has to be a complete um, production with uh, zip tones and also it has yeah. to go to press and be distributed worldwide as is. Yeah, so right. uh, uh, I think the artistic approach is not the same either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Mm. Mm. Um, and I, you did mention a while ago, I think, about um, concern about uh, art, uh, auction houses and that sort of thing saying that if images of artwork have been around on the internet that can drop their value a little bit or yeah that, that happened, happened to me once so I kind of really? wanted to put up my, my art for sale in, in an auction house and uh, they asked me for, for images so I said okay I gave them a link from a website where I had initially posted my, my images and so the curator, the auctioneer from the art house got back to me and said, well, you have already published your artwork, so it seems that it's not really a rare, exclusive material anymore. Because there's been images that are online. Absolutely, they're online and, and people knew it, so there's not going to be this effect of surprise and, and uh, you know, the desire in people to say that it, since it's there already and exposed, yeah. so it's not going to be something new yeah. that someone is going to acquire. It's interesting because you'd think it's in a comic book, you know, there and there are dozens and dozens and dozens <coughs> of reprints of this comic book. Um, how, how is that? How is that different? So uh, it's because the often collectors who buy at at the auction houses they don't really they're not probably f- familiar with the comic books. Oh, okay. So, so it's it's, <coughs> it's the art market is very different than comic book fans, you know, who actually collect comics and would want to have a piece of art because it's it's a story that they like. Yeah. So so we are that, talking about two different markets really, aren't we? Absolutely. So you have you have the comic book fans who buys a piece of art because they like it and you have other people who want to have a an original of of an artist and they want they look for rare pieces mm. and it has to be an investment and yeah. uh, and so on. So I have, you know, I'm in Paris here. We're surrounded by the big auction houses of like Sotheby's and Christie's and, and, and so on. So, and they have their policies of, of, uh, of uh, setting up auctions which are, which are based on, on uh, the market. Yeah, okay. Right. Well, uh, it must be interesting for you then to have a foot in both camps um, as someone who is a, a phantom fan and, and, you know, looks for stories and I know that you do have uh, a number of panels from what would be your favorite story um, but at the same time you also have an appreciation of how the art market works and how they treat this yeah which is because I, I have uh, access to to the auction houses here yeah. and I see them and I receive their catalogs which you can you know see in my my collection here so um, and I follow the auctions mm-hmm. and the auctions comic art auction here are like uh, are like public events. Right. So you have hundreds of people who go there just to see how ah, artwork is sold. So right. it's not necessarily to buy one, but it's like a like a, an event that we attend. Yeah, right. And uh, it's quite amazing, you know, to what point people can bid and outbid people, other people and so on. So um, 
So yeah, so this is uh, the art market is here. Basically, yeah. the comic art market in the world. I think this is the biggest center for comic art market. Yeah. And so I'm I'm exposed. And after the auction is over, newspaper release articles and write reviews on how the auction went and yeah. which got what price. Oh, and so okay. On, so. So where do where do Phantom Prints sit in the in the art world market? Well, in the art world market, I think I've seen a Ray Moore in one of the big auction houses that was in in the nine uh, that was in the nineties. I found one Sunday in a catalogue. Um, more recently, I think two or three years ago, there was a McCoy Sunday that was sold at an auction by Sotheby's, one of the biggest auction houses in the world. Um, so you keep seeing McCoys. I've never seen any Cybarries though in in big auctions. So I've seen McCoys and a few Ray Moores. Mm. But of course, for American art, the biggest auction houses is, is probably Heritage Auctions. So right. um, okay. you get them all, and you can see them all online. Yeah. Of okay. I'm not sure how many um, of our listeners, or um, you know, your average fan and fan in Australia, who I guess. I'm representing here today. Um, would would check out those on a regular basis. Um, it's it's a it's probably a market that we don't look into too much because we're I don't know why but looking looking in other places I guess. Well, uh, you know, you know that Phantom fans are are not like other comic uh, comic superhero fans. Mm. So. Uh, they would probably never go to a comic book shop because you know that very often comic book shops don't carry any phantoms at all. Yeah, that's so, right. uh, it's another circuit. Yeah. And as far as art is concerned, it's it's very rare when a phantom gets uh, listed at an auction, you know, international auction. As so does that mean that the uh, the values there in them, or do they go for high prices because they're rare or... You know, where, where in terms of the value of what you've seen sell, where does that stack up... Um, with some of the other, you know, you've, you've mentioned Tintins before and Asterix and um, those sorts of things. Uh, where's the value? Um, I guess financially. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not going to, to match anything. I mean, the cheapest Tintin is probably going to be 200,000. <laughs> or well, 100,000 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. wow. Uh, for for a, tin, a page, are we talking a full page or a, yeah, full full page or even half page? You know? Really? So, uh, wow. so, however, you know, at Phantom Art is what maximum would be ten thousand euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, it's interesting. It's uh, I I think um, we often th- you know we we work out of our uh, um, Nigel Johnson's uh, price guide and we look at our ten dollar lolly jars and our fifty dollar monkeys of melbourne cups and uh you know this sort of thing those are astronomical figures that you're talking yeah but then you have another niche market which is coming up and i wouldn't be surprised to see the the new artists like the ones you've seen at the phantom art show uh will probably be featured in the big art auctions of course they'll probably be coming up but that won't be the mainstream phantom comic art market but it's going to be um, painters contemporary pop art painters yeah. you know? so we'll probably have we'll reach those prices yeah you know? yeah. well um, certainly some of the the artworks that were going around in the Phantom Art show um, you know to my untrained eye looks pretty special and uh, you'd love to see them uh, sure so it's, it's another uh, it gives another life to the Phantom altogether yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes you have a contemporary artist who who just 
who inspires, uh, who's inspired by a panel from from a comic book, uh, probably his art is going to sell for um, in five figures, mm. uh, whereas the the original art or the original comic is is probably going to be uh, sold at uh, you know in, in ten or twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a it is a whole a whole new world that I don't know that it, it seems to be a small group. You are in touch with um, a number of other people who who are looking at this sort of world of phantom art, though. Well, phantom art. Uh, are you talking about phantom original comic? Yeah, art or other fans who are collecting in that. Sort oh of yeah, realm? sure. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I I am in touch with the other collectors. Um, uh, I keep I, I keep a lookout on the posts on Facebook, and I see um, the, the latest acquisitions, of course. And uh, so, which is which is which is a growing growing group of people, mm. and it's quite interesting because initially I didn't have I didn't know so many people when I when I started posting. That was about five or six years back. I think I had one or two more, but now it's a growing number of people yeah. who are buying. And also, art is more available. Yeah, yeah. You know, so artists are selling more nowadays. We have more pieces which are available to for, to to acquire. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which Very wasn't good. the case, I think, uh, ten years back. So, is that? Uh, do you see that as a good thing because the prices um, of the pieces you already own will be more valuable, or as a bad thing because the ones that you want to buy are going to be harder to get to? Um, well, you know, I think if if I couldn't buy more, I wouldn't, you know, I would I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't care. Which mm. is because I I'm rather happy with what I have. Yeah. So, but so it's not going to matter really. In fact, if the prices go up or or down, but um, you know that at one point the the art is going the originals are going to 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 be exhausted yeah. so they'll be all sold yeah and uh, depending on on the period they come from mm. so if you if you find artwork from the 1950s i think uh, they they are selling fast and i think mm. i don't think there are too many available anymore mm. in fact mm. so uh, mm. and prices and the quality of art it, it really depends on which era which artist and uh, so it's not comparable at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It might be the Phantom, yeah. but from which period and which artist and which story? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So there are a limited number of pieces anyway. Yeah. yeah. Which I guess is why it's important to be able to enjoy the ones that you do have and, and to to be selective when you do buy to, to get ones you You've got to love the, the the stuff you buy, in fact. So uh, yeah. so you keep appreciating and 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 you know. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Any any other words of wisdom um, that you can think of? Um, words of wisdom. Uh, well, uh, I, I'd say just love for the fans. They should just love the pieces they own mm. and not be bothered about pieces that they they don't own. And and that <laughs> applies as to whether you you focused on key rings or or. Uh, Fridge magnets or whatever, or whatever you know, it is. Yeah, so yeah. sure. You know, if it gives you happiness and and uh, brings some joy to your life, and you just go for it. But yeah. but just be happy with what you have. And yeah. and uh, if you can't get or buy or or you know have other other things, uh, never mind. Yeah, so. yeah, excellent. All right. Well, 
Om Roy, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to come and visit you in France and, and check out your collection and uh, to talk about fandom with you all afternoon. We've, we've tried to cover most of it here in our quick summary chat, I suppose, but uh, it's been a fantastic afternoon of, uh, of fandoming with you and I've really enjoyed it. And uh, thank you very much for, for having me and sharing the, the experience with me. Well, thank you, Dan. So uh, it was a pleasure to have you here, of course, and we hope to see you again in France and Paris. And my wife will be delighted to uh, to come with me next time. I don't think she's been happy to, to stay home. Well, absolutely, <laughs> looking forward. Eh? Yeah, so. wonderful. All right, thanks very much. Au revoir, I suppose we should say. <laughs> well, you, know, you have your editor's tool. Yeah. You just add, did you use Audacity? Audacity, or? Audacity, yeah. So there you go. I hope you learned a bit about uh, what it is to be an international fan, someone who has their roots in India and has now firmly got their their place in the, the European comic art, pop art scene, uh, and what it's like to be a Phantom fan in, uh, in a place where there's not many. So uh, to Om... I say on behalf of all of us, merci beaucoup. We really appreciated the time that you shared with us and, again, personally, the time that, and the space and the, the meal that you shared with me. So very much appreciate it. Um, so going beyond the conversation, uh, once again, um, you, this is probably the last call, the last chance you will get to go and check out our Best of 2018 survey. Um, I would think that our next podcast is going to be our best of 2018 conversation. So all the listeners, if you haven't uh, jumped on chroniclechamber.com yet and voted for your favorite through covers or through stories yet, this is, uh, you need to do it now. Um, if you're listening to this uh, not long after it goes up, because we are going to be recording that early in January 2019, in the first couple of weeks of 2019, Make sure that if you've got any questions, queries, news stories, whatever, make sure you email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Check us out on social media via Facebook on Chronicle Chamber Phantom Fan Page or also the Phantom Collector Group. Um, we're on Twitter at Chronicle Tweets or on Instagram at Chronicle Chamber. Um, you can, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes or Google um, Expand the Phantom Podcast on, uh, well, on Google, I suppose, <laughs> and, and find us that way if you haven't subscribed to us yet, although I'm sure most of the, the people who are listening right now have. Um, uh, the question, I guess, if you are still wondering about that music at the start and the music you're about to hear, it just seemed right to use some of the uh, the intro the and the exit music from the 1943 Phantom Serial. That was the one starring Tom Tyler. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go and check it out. It's, uh, it's very much of its time, um, cinematically, thematically, and plot-wise, but uh, it's a it's a, a fun little watch nonetheless. Uh, probably not quite as fast-paced and um, and tightly written as some of the stuff that we might come to expect today, but uh, uh, you know, 
sit down with a uh, a nice cold glass of milk and and watch the 1943 serial it uh, takes us back takes us back to a, a time often forgotten and uh it shouldn't be so anyway uh, i hope you enjoyed that chat um i certainly did and uh looking forward to picking up again with jermaine and steve as we get back into the regular series of podcasts uh from here on in all right thanks very much guys happy phantoming from high place and tree, we watch. Phantom soon be gone. He'll never get out of there. Look, alligator. Well, we won't have to worry about him any longer. Come, go to village, sound drums, tell all tribes, Phantom dead. Chota's next move. Is the Davidson expedition safe from further attack? Will the outlaws be able to disband the safari? Don't miss The Man Who Never Dies, the next exciting episode of The Phantom at this theater next week. (laughs) 